How much thought do you give uh, to the future? When you think about the future, are you hopeful? Are you fearful? Or is it a mixture of the two? How much thought do you give to your own future? To the future of your family? To the future of the church? Or to the future of the world? We're thinking together for a few minutes from God's word this morning about what Jesus said about the future. What Jesus said about the future. We're returning to Mark's gospel, to Mark's account in the New Testament of the life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, picking up where we uh, left off before Christmas, our Sunday morning series of sermons, Good News in a Bad News World. And this morning we come uh, to the passage that Alan has just read in our hearing. Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter uh, 13, from verse 1 all the way to verse uh, 31. Mark 13, verses 1 to 31. And in Mark 13, Jesus is talking about uh, the future particularly about two great events in world history. Then, when Jesus was first speaking, uh, they were both in the future. Now, as we live here in the 21st century, uh, one is in the past, the other is still in the future. You could say uh, that we live in the in-between in between the first event that Jesus is speaking about and the second event that he is talking about. The first of these two great events mentioned in our passage uh, this morning is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which happened in the year A.D. 70. The second of these great events highlighted in our chapter, is what we might variously describe as the end of the world, the return of Christ, and uh, the day of judgment. Now many have uh, found Mark 13 uh, confusing, and I think only a fool would want to suggest that it is a simple and uh, straightforward uh, chapter and not least because it's not always obvious when Jesus is referring to the first of these two events, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70, and when he is referring to the second of these events, the end of the world, the return of Christ, the day of judgment, or if in fact on occasions in the chapter he's actually talking about both of these events at one and the same time. Certainly, during the course of our passage, he very much intertwines the two. It's not possible to say, well, these verses are about this and these verses are about that. The two events are intertwined all the way through the passage. But if we mistake 
which event Jesus is referring to at any given point, then things can very quickly become quite messy. I don't profess to understand everything that's going on in this chapter or in our passage this morning. But I think a key to a right interpretation and a right understanding of this passage is to distinguish between when Jesus is talking about these things on the one hand and uh, those days on the other. There are four times in our uh, translation when we have the phrase these uh, things. First half of verse 4, the disciples ask Jesus, tell us when will these things be? Second half of verse 4, following immediately on, subsequent question, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Then much later in the passage, uh, verse uh, 29, so you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. And uh, again, uh, verse uh, 30, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And uh, I think when we read the phrase, these things, that's referring at least primarily uh, to the first of these two great events, uh, to uh, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which duly took place in the year A.D. 70. Whereas we also have in this passage four references to those days. The first is in verse 17. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Again, verse 19. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. Again, verse 20. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. And once more, verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, etc. And so if the, these things refer to the first event, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70, the, those days refer to the second event, or at least to world history post-AD 70, as it uh, irresistibly makes its way to its climax at the end of the world, with the return of Christ and the bringing in of the day of judgment. But it's not my intention or our purpose this morning to turn over every stone uh, in this uh, passage uh, before us today. But rather looking at the uh, big picture, surveying uh, the panorama, we want to think in broad brush terms about what Jesus said about the future. And I think whatever may be unclear in this morning's passage, we can be very clear about three things. Number one, what Jesus said about the future, something would happen and it did. 
something would happen, and it did. I'm referring, of course, to the first of these two great events in world history that Jesus talks about in our passage, and namely the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the year A.D. 70. Not to bore you, but just to give you a bit of background by way of context, in the year 63 BC, so that's 63 years before uh, the coming of Christ into the world, uh, the Roman general Pompey the Great uh, captured uh, Jerusalem. And then in 66 AD, so that's 66 years after the coming of Christ into the world, roughly 30 years after his death and resurrection and ascension. So some 129 years have elapsed between 63 BC uh, when the Romans took charge in Jerusalem and 66 AD now when the first, what's known in history as the first Jewish revolt, expelled the Romans are from Jerusalem. And various things happened over the next few years which led up to the year AD 70 and to the siege of Jerusalem when uh, the Romans uh, took hold of Jerusalem again uh, by force. Uh, they massacred uh, the majority of the Jewish uh, population And one of the many things that happened was that the temple there in Jerusalem, the Jewish temple, was destroyed. That by way of background and context. But what about our passage? Well, it begins with one of the disciples asking Jesus, uh, 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 making a statement to Jesus, verse 1, teacher, See what manner of stones and what buildings are here. The disciples are with Jesus in Jerusalem. They can see the temple and other, other things there. And uh, one of the disciples said, What stones? What buildings? Isn't this great? Isn't this impressive? Is the gist of it. And so Jesus responds in verse 2 by saying, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And we understand Jesus here to be predicting what would happen some 30 years or so later, the siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. The these things of our passage. And uh, this obviously piques the disciples' interest. It would have piqued your interest if you'd been there and heard Jesus say something like that, wouldn't it? And so they asked, tell us, when will these things be? Beginning of verse 4. And what will the sign be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? End of verse 4. Uh, And Jesus talks about various uh, signs and says, verse 29, So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the doors, it's about to happen, Jesus is saying. And then he adds, verse 30, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Some people have got confused by that verse 30 because they've applied it uh, to the second of these events. And they've said, well, 
all that generation died out and the Lord Jesus hadn't returned. But it's not talking about those days. It's talking about these things. Within a generation, what Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the temple would take place with the siege of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But again, it's not our purposes, our purpose to get bogged down in the detail this morning. We're simply making this simple, this obvious, but this significant point. Jesus said something would happen, and it did. He looks at the temple with his disciples there in Jerusalem, and he says, verse 2, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And within a generation, before that generation had passed away, exactly what Jesus had said would happen, did happen. There was the siege of Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. Something would happen. And it did. Number two this morning. What Jesus said about the future. Something would happen. And it will. Something would happen. And it will. You see the first of these two great events. Jesus said it would happen. And it did. The destruction of the temple. The second of these two great events the end of the world, the return of Christ, the day of judgment, it has not happened yet, though 20 centuries have elapsed. But as surely as Jesus said the one thing would happen, and it did, so he said the second thing would happen, and we can be sure that it will. As we shift our attention from the, the, these things, the destruction of the temple in AD 70, to the, those days, to the rest of world history, as it inexorably makes its way towards its great climax with the return of Christ and the bringing in of the day of judgment. We're not staying with all the detail this morning, but Jesus says some very striking things about uh, the subsequent history of the world post AD 70 and leading up then uh, to his uh, return. The first of these those days references verse 17, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Now in one sense that was true in AD 70 with the siege of Jerusalem, but if true then, how much more uh, at the end of the world? There is a sense in which what happened in Jerusalem in AD 70 in, on a, a, a small canvas is, is like a picture, an illustration of what will happen at the end of the world on this far larger canvas. Or verse 19, for in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time nor ever shall be. 
emphasizing one of the two twin truths in Scripture regarding world history leading up to the end and to the return of Christ, uh, that there is a sense on the one hand in which things will always get worse, uh, there is another sense in which things will always get better without fear of contradiction. Things will always get better because the gospel is always reaching more people, more people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of Christ is always growing and never shrinking. But at the same time, just as grace grows better and better, so sin grows worse and worse. And hard times occur in world history, particularly towards the end. Verse 20, striking words. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. In other words, if this world were to go on forever, it would be too much. But the Lord has put a time limit on it. Sometimes people say, well, if there's a God... Why doesn't he end all the trouble? One day he will. The reason he hasn't ended it yet is that he still desires to show mercy to a sinful people like you and me. But once he has saved all those that he's going to save, he will stop the clock. The world will end. Christ will return. And everything will be sorted out once and for all. And we're given just a glimpse of what that great day will be like, verses 24 and following. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man, get this, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Jesus coming the second time, not as he came the first time. The first time a baby in a stable, largely unnoticed and ignored. But this time, the king upon the clouds, every eye seeing, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect, his people, from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth, all those who are alive, uh, to the farthest part of heaven, all those who have previously died. And so the Christian church has always believed and preached the return of Jesus Christ and the day of judgment. But it's pantomime season, isn't it? Just after Christmas. And you know the famous lines from the pantomime? Oh, no, it won't. Oh, yes, it will. Well, there are many who say regarding the return of Christ and the day of judgment, oh, no, it won't. They thought it was going to happen in the first century. And here we are in the 21st century. And it hasn't happened yet. And so we can be sure it never will. Oh, no, it won't, many people say. To which God's word replies unequivocally. Unequivocally. Oh, yes, it will. You see, it was just like that before Jesus came the first time. It had been trailed, prophesied for centuries. But people thought, well, 
It's not happened yet, and it probably never will, but it did. And as with AD 70, so with the return of Christ, it's not happened yet, but it will. Whatever else we may be unclear about from our passage this morning, surely this is abundantly clear. Jesus was absolutely right. He was spot on about AD 70. And just as he was absolutely right and spot on about AD 70, so too he will be absolutely right and spot on about the end of the world. And we need to take very seriously the facts that this world will not exist as it is forever. That the Lord Jesus Christ will return one day as the king upon the clouds. And that he will usher in that great, that last day when we must all stand before his judgment seat and give an account of all we have ever been and of everything that we have ever done. But there's something more we mustn't miss from our passage. We're thinking about what Jesus said about the future. We've said, number one, something would happen and it did. Number two, something would happen and it will. Now number three, something should happen and it can. Something should happen and it can. I want you to come with me to the last statement of the passage we read. The verse that is up on the screen. Mark 13 verse 31. Words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. These are striking words. They're often quoted without the context and they're words that stand without their immediate context. But like every text of scripture, they they have an immediate context. Mark 13 verse 31 comes, not surprisingly, after Mark 13 verse 30. Mark 13 verse 31 comes at the end of this section we're thinking about this morning. Mark 13, 1 to 31. And so we need to understand these words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away in their context. He's talking about world history. And he's talking about his words, about his message, about the salvation he came to purchase and to proclaim. So Jesus is saying we can look back to the past. We can see that the temple was destroyed. Jesus' words stood. What he said would happen, did happen. And just as we can look back to the past, so we can look ahead to the future, to when the world will end. And we can be confident that Jesus' words will stand, that what he has said would happen, will happen. But it's not enough this morning for us simply to look back to the past or to look ahead to the future But it's vitally important that each and every one of us considers our present position. Particularly in terms of our sin against God and the salvation 
that God freely offers to us in the gospel. And this point, Jesus' words stand. They are true. Even when heaven and earth passes away, his words will by no means, will never, ever pass away. What he says is true. And what he says stands. And Jesus doesn't just talk about what happened in AD 70. And he doesn't just talk about what will happen in the end of the world, be that sooner or be it later. But he talks about you and me right here, right now, this morning. He talks about your sin. And he talks about his salvation that he offers freely to you. His words about your sin, which shall stand on that great last day, they shall stand. That as a child of Adam, you have inherited a fallen, sinful human nature. It's not that you are a sinner because you sin. It is rather you sin because you are a sinner. And like me, the same is true for you, that every day is more sin and that every day is increasing guilt. Jesus talks to you this morning about your sin and you cannot afford to dismiss what he says. But also, Jesus talks to you about God's salvation. About that which was promised all the way through the Old Testament. About that which was fulfilled in the New Testament with the coming of Christ into the world. About how he purchased this salvation upon the cross by taking your place, by paying your penalty, by bearing your sin. And having risen from the dead, he now offers this salvation to any and to all who will come in faith. And trust in him. Yes, Jesus said AD 70 would happen and it did. Yes, Jesus said the world will come to an end. He will return, etc. And it will. He will. But as you were here this morning, sandwiched in the in-between. Jesus says, come to me. He says that if you come to him, he won't turn you away. He says you need to come to him now. With nothing but your sin to bring. But to trust him who lived and died and rose again. To be your savior. Because there's coming a time when heaven and earth will pass away. This world as we know it will be no more. The Bible tells us elsewhere there will be a new heaven, a new earth. But even when this heaven and earth will have passed away, Jesus' words will not have passed away. What he said about the destruction of the temple will stand. What he said about the end of the world will stand. What he says about your sin will stand. What he says about God's salvation will stand. As we depart this passage and sing our closing hymn. Get this my friend this morning. You can trust 
what Jesus says about the future. And because you can trust what Jesus says about the future, it's time to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your future, with your heart, with your life, with your all, with your everything. Because he took your hell on the cross at Calvary that you might share his heaven for all the forevers of forever. Amen.